All right, guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. It's Players Week. We got a lot to talk about. We got to dig in on something that's going on with Ricky Fowler, too. So stay mm-hmm. tuned. We'll talk about that in a second. And we've got Justin Thomas back with an apparel sponsor. We'll give you our thoughts on that after a year of him being sponsorless because of uh, something he said. So we'll recap. We'll talk about what that was uh, and our thoughts on that. First, though, we got to obviously talk about the elephant in the room. We're not in studio. Uh, we are doing the safe thing. We had an exposure at the office. So to be safe, we're doing this from home today until we get everything sorted out and everybody tested, and then we'll be back in studio in no time. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, excuse any uh, video or audio. We're doing our best. We had to do a show this week. We're no, we weren't skipping it. It's Players Week, Mike. No, we never skip a week. And you know what? It's kind of it's nostalgic. Brings us back. We've done this show like this for, for I don't know, six years, five years. <laughs> I so. know. It, we did it this way for a very long time. But uh, you never want to take even a step one back, time but... out of it. I know. I miss the studio. <laughs> I miss it. I'll be honest with you. But uh, anyway, right, so let's week. dive right in. Let's talk about this one thing yeah. that the players, you know, a, a name that is uh, just very obviously missing a big name is is Ricky Fowler. We've talked about it here on the show before about some of his struggles. We've seen him kind of creep back a little bit, but it has me begging this question. You got Ricky, who was the 2015 players champ. Uh, We'll talk about kind of what, what it takes to make it into the field at the players in a second. We'll talk about where that benchmarks against where Ricky is, but it brings up a point and something that I do like about the masters is that winners are exempt for life. And Love I don't it. know about you, Mike, but I'd like to see that at the players. I'd like to see a 100%. lifetime exemption. Yeah, you agree? I totally agree. And I always thought it's funny that that was the case. So until the announcer at Bay Hill mentioned as Ricky was standing over the ball on Sunday that hey, Ricky Ricky was standing, it was plus eight. And they go, Ricky has to win this week to make it into the field next week at TPC Sawgrass. I'm like, wait a minute, what? These guys mm-hmm. don't get lifetime exemptions as, as past champs. I mean, I don't know if you saw the TPC Sawgrass dining room or the players room, but like past champs are all over the place. Their photos are on the wall. JT mm-hmm. showed his lockers engraved with his name. Like they, they, you know, they pay homage to their champs, but yet yeah. they only give them a five-year exemption, huh? That's all it is. So it's a five-year exemption. Mm. Otherwise, other ways that you can get in, um, you can be a, a major champion, win any majors in the last five years. If you win uh-huh. any PGA Tour events in the last year, uh, if you're in the top 125 from the previous season's FedEx Cup points, uh, and then there's a few other ways, like the WGC champ for the last three years, tour championship winner mm. for the last three years. Um, but again, I mean, I just kind of come back to it's one thing that I like about the masters is seeing these guys, you know, just being able to, to, even if they're not competitive, just to be able to come back out and kind of celebrate it. I don't think you should see an ex- lifetime exemption, obviously with every tournament, that would be ridiculous, but the mm-hmm. players, you know, we talk about it as the fifth major, but it's also, you know, it's, it's kind of like for the, that's why they call it the players. I feel like for the players themselves, like mm-hmm. this is an event that they really hold in the high esteem. And I'd love to see these guys just, ceremoniously be able to be back in it. And it's such an incredibly difficult event to win. I think it's just something that if you've ever won it, you deserve to to have your chance to be there every year. I mean, how great would it be? I mean, I'd love to see guys like Freddie Couples there. Imagine that. Right? See I mean, Freddie, the guy made Freddie magic there. Yeah, in 96. And, and every once in a while, 
too, even to the, to this day and at his age, you see Fred hanging around there at the Masters, you know, mm-hmm. in the top 25 and just showing that these guys can compete. And all these guys I've always seen, you know, using the Masters as the example, they seem it's, to be very smart about knowing when it's time to hang it up. Uh-huh. When it's too much, mm-hmm. I don't think yep. you're going to see somebody who's holding the field up. I think it's just the option to play. And I'd love to see that. And I would love to see Ricky have that exemption to play. Well, you just you kind of explain the state of Ricky Fowler's game in those qualifications. I mean, those are things that a lot of guys qualify 125. There's something Ricky's been in forever. You know, um, I mean, uh, winning a tournament in the last year, there's something that he, he's been able to do. So it just shows you how much that guy is really struggling and what's interesting you said that if you win a major you're exempt for five years you take tiger for example tiger hasn't even like really swung a club in god knows how long but he won the masters in 2019 so he could have yeah. played this week he could have played this week he very it's well amazing how it works exactly. yeah it is mm-hmm. amazing how it works um but yeah so so ricky though i mean i just it may, leaves us wondering what you're gonna see for him from him like i said currently 122nd in the official world golf rankings 134 some fedex cup play uh points last year uh, he did make the cut at Bay Hill last week, but we'll talk about more in a second, Bay Hill, how tough it played. 76-77 over the weekend, good yeah, for a T-52. Mm-hmm. So it's not like – it's certainly not and has not been hang, hang up the, the club's level with, with Ricky in any way. Um, but he just – he needs something to – and I know he's made even some changes to his swing. He's look, looking for a little bit more of something to get back in it. But he just – he doesn't look like a guy to me that's done. He looks like a guy who can still pull out a win. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I looked at a graphic. I think Golf Digest posted a graphic of his um, his world golf rankings over the last, I think, 13 or 14 years. And I think for a stretch of 10 years or so, or maybe a little less than that, he was in the top 10. And yeah. it was in 2019 where he just fell off. So something went wrong. I mean, I, you could a lot of people can kind of point a finger at things like COVID. Maybe some things came. The guys were taken out of their game. I know Ricky got married. I know he had a baby. Um, mm-hmm. Those aren't all excuses, but those are life changing events. And they golf's a mental game. It's a lot of travel, a lot of wear and tear. And when your life changes, I mean, so right. can your sport or your hobby. And that, that's what he's doing. So it could be that. But hey, he, he did make the cut. I think. For, to answer the original question, what's it going to take for Rick? It might take a few top 10 finishes, just a little bit of pep in his step to get him going. Maybe he's got to figure some things out with his swing. Yeah, so I'm still rooting for him. So. He's still, you know, the fan of the people, right? Exactly. And I think at the end of the day, no matter what, Rick, you will have a, a terrific career, but it'll always be a career where people will be asking, He, you know, he could have, would have, should have done more. People are always going to say that because of how good he is and the talent he had. But at the end of the day, He's, he's had a, a, a career that m- most, if not all people who ever picked up a golf club would love to, to have had in their life, you know, to play yeah, on the PG tour as long as he had to play and, and, and to finish as high up as he's finished in so many majors. But I, and a lot of people say like, he should have won, but here's a guy who won the players. He's won a few times on tour. He's won a few times overseas. He's been in Ryder cup events. He, his, 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 he's at the end of the day, if you, the benchmark against where what could be in a golf career ricky's excelled it's just i think it's because he how good he's been people want to see more but let's hear you guys weigh in weigh in in the comments let us know do you agree with us that if you win the players it should be a lifetime exemption to that event or do you think that the five years is enough let us know in the comments we'd love to hear about it um but let's let's 
shift gears and talk a little bit about last week before we dive into the players this week. Bay Hill, of course, played so difficult. Uh, if you yeah. want to laugh and you want to feel a little bit of relatability, because sometimes when you watch the PGA Tour, it seems for us for us mortal golfers, it seems so far out of reach. Uh, but the, on the PGA Tour's YouTube uh, page, check out a video they put out called golf is hard. Just dropped it the other day. Uh, and it's just a, it's eight minutes of rapid fire, just disastrous shots from, uh, from last week's, uh, event at Bay Hill, including, did you see Rom miss that six inch tap in? Oh yeah. What do you hit it? Like two inches. He hit it like an inch, like like in crazy decel. It almost seemed like he he decided to try to stop his swing halfway through. But it made me wonder, like you know how like when you and I play, Mike. Sometimes we play in these really fast greens, and all of a sudden it gets sloppy, and we're like they're they're in our heads. The speed has got us so like nervous or scared. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if a little bit of that was creeping. I mean, you're talking about the, the number one golfer in the world, so you would think that wouldn't happen. But it, I guess it shows it happens to the best of us. But um, yeah. it was just uh, it was interesting because. There's a lot of guys lamenting out there on the greens that you you miss a putt and it would just keep going. So those yeah, greens I mean, were fast. They were tough. They were brutal, and and I think the wind picked up. The rough was grown in. I mean, I mean, we tasted it, right? I mean, I remember the the I forget what hole. I think it was the thirteenth hole where I playing that pro am at Bay Hill. I dropped the ball. It's even in the video in the rough, and it just disappeared. Yeah, yeah. you know so. You had Florida rough that was like grown in deep and the course did beat me up out of the gate. It beat a lot of people up and it continues to, it is a hard course. And these guys just came from the Honda, right? PGA West or PGA national, another hard course. So two back-to-back water riddled Florida courses with tremendous wind and tough rough. Um, I know Rory was complaining about the course setup. A lot of guys were, there were guys on the other side of the coin, guys in the lead, like tail Gooch. This guy was talking about how he loved the setup. I, more yeah. courses need to be set up like this. And to me, at the end of the day, my take on that, honestly, is no matter how the course is set up, you guys are the best players in the world, and there's always going to be a winner. It's just whoever plays yeah. the best that week. It's like the U.S. Open, right? Whoever plays the it best was, that week is going to hoist the trophy. That's it. I mean, it was set up a lot like a major because you had that rough. And now I will say, when we were there and played it, you know, it was it was tournament conditions because it was the Wednesday before. It was the Pro-Am. It was the day before the event kicked off. Um I don't I don't remember the rough being as deep as we saw it this year. They definitely did a little something. They made it a little bit harder this year. And what was what I found that was really difficult, you know, with watching with the way these guys were playing it was when they'd get that ball in the rough and where you had the fast greens in the water and and typically, you know, the way that 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 Bay Hills design, that water goes right up to the green in a lot of spots. It would be very yeah. difficult to get your number and hit the right distance coming out of that rough because sometimes, you know, the rough would take a little bit off it. These guys were short of the green by two yards and they were in the drink. So I think that's where it really, it really started to get them was not, not necessarily the fairways, but when they were in the rough approach shots from the rough seemed to get were were really hitting guys with a a lot of extra strokes for that reason. Cause it was so penalizing. It was. And I, I like, and I know you said this before, like I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching them struggle. I enjoyed watching them be real. I was pulling yeah. for Hovland. I thought it was his tournament to win, even though he came into the final round, not in the lead. I figured he was going to be the guy who was going to really step it up. A lot of people did. He even said it. He said it was his event. He lost it. Um, Woodland was a guy who was playing lights out. I thought he was going to step in Hatton, who's won there before he was up there. Billy Horschel, he was in the lead going in. He just fell apart. Yeah. So 
you know, I mean, it's, it's a humbling course. Well, look, sure. as fans, what can, what more can we ask for on Sunday than to see six, seven guys who could win? Nobody running away yeah, with it. Right. You know, you're you're watching to the last minute. But even uh, Woodland, he had one bunker shot. It look, looked like us out there. You know, just yeah. decel. <laughs> he he uh, he shortened up his backswing. He he didn't he it didn't even get out of the bunker. You know, uh, and it just shows you how much respect they were giving those greens and and it was just it got to the point where it was in their heads but yeah i mean from an entertainment standpoint we love it and then you saw scotty scheffler i mean this guy's got two wins in three events you know you see it often with with these guys where they'll uh sometimes a guy will just catch it they'll just catch fire at the right time they're mm-hmm. you know we talk about them being in form i mean here's a guy who is in form um just winning like incredibly um and it, it makes history. I don't know if you saw this, but it makes history because it's the first time in the official world golf rankings history that every player inside the top five is under 30 years old. Tells you the first game's time. in good shape. Yeah, it is. Years to come. You got a lot of good names in that in that uh, top five now. Uh, and it makes for some interesting potentials with the FedEx it, Cup this year, the, the President's Cup. We're seeing some young names, man. It's great. It's great. And I think I remember a few years back when Jordan Spieth was hot with Jay Day and Ricky Fowler and mm-hmm. uh, all these guys. We were like, what's going to happen to golf when these guys just don't win anymore or they get a little older? What does the class behind them look like? And all of a sudden, you got the Wolves and the Hovlins and the Morikawas and the Cantleys, right? And now we're like, okay, but now what? And now you got guys like Scotty Scheffler and Corey Connors. Like, there's new names coming up. So golf just keeps producing these awesome players that keep coming out of nowhere. It's, it could be a different name every week, and I love it. And Scotty Scheffler, man, there's a guy. He already inked his spot on the President's Cup this year, I'm sure. Um, yep. you know, And he has a chance at Augusta. I wouldn't rule him out. I'm sure he's going to have some heavy odds. Watch out. He keeps playing this this well. Yeah, I wouldn't rule him out. I wouldn't rule him out this week. Uh, yeah. at the players, I mean, I, incredibly yeah. difficult to win back to back, but th- yeah, so yeah. how about this stat though? This is wild. You know, this is Arnie's event, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and we'll talk about when we talk about the players in a minute, how incredibly high these, these winning purses are getting. Um, in fact, I saw, <laughs> I saw a, a great meme, uh, the other day, remember in happy Gilmore, when he's traveling from event to event, he's taking the huge checks and putting <laughs> them in his car. Thing. Yeah, bring that's, back the they big said that's checks. Scotty. Yeah, that's yeah. Scotty Sheffield right now. There's a car full of checks, just making his way around Florida and whatever. But uh, I love it. So Arnold Palmer, and obviously it's different time, different money, uh, inflation. You could say all those things, but his career earnings on the PGA Tour was two point one million. It was it was two million one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Scotty last week alone at Arnie's event won. Uh, two million one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. So he more he won more in career earnings uh, in one event than Arnie won in his entire career. It's I mean, wild. Let that sink in. Yeah, it's it's wild. The purses are getting ridiculous, and the players are liking them. And I think it has a result to do with that Saudi league and keeping guys here. Uh, I know we're going to talk about those purses in a minute, but that's ridiculous. Obviously inflated and all that good stuff. But wow, jeez. Yeah, I, I mean, it make it begs the question of like, why you know these um 
you know, then the, the purses keep going up. And we saw a lot in the news this week about, you know, with the Saudi league and then the PGA tour trying to compete with these bigger numbers. Um, but there's no doubt that the PGA tour has been working on increasing those purses. So let's just go right into it. Let's talk about the players. Uh, it's a whopping Mike $20 million purse, you know, for the players this year. Yeah. It's up $5 million. Think about five million over last year. So JT won 2.7 last year, and the winner this year is going to win 900K more or 3.6, which is ridiculous. But what that also uh, makes me wonder is, is third place walking home with a milli or like 800? I haven't seen the whole breakdown, but it's possible. I mean, second place is definitely getting over a million. Uh, You know, I think in the U.S. Open, second place gets a million at this point. But I think at the players, at 3.6 million for the players, I got to think the second place is walking out of there like 1.8. It's 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 just nuts. Life changing money in in one event. You know, you think of you think of if you were in a single year. Let's say you won just the players and you won the FedEx Cup in a single year. I mean, you're talking about what is that? What would that be? Like 15 million or more? It's more be because home? yeah, you're getting the 10. What is it? 10 FedEx. million, 10 from FedEx, it's right? Ten, it's 10, but then like there's other bonuses on top of it. Odds are if, if you won the FedEx, you're in a high point in the tour championship where you're probably winning another 2 million. Um, yeah. I mean, it could be 15 to 20 million in a single year between two tournaments Two of that's crazy. Yeah. Not to wow. mention what we met, what we said earlier. You win the players, then you've got your exemption for the next five years. You got tons of exemptions. You're basically locking in your PGA Tour career for at least another half a decade. You're not going anywhere, so that's why it is it's such yeah. an important event. But you know, talking earlier about about Ricky, you know, let's you know another name this week that continues to be absent and making waves in his absence is Bryson. Uh, we all wanted to see him at Bay Hill because of what he did the prior year. Um, but mm-hmm. he just continues to, uh, you know, every week it seems like you think he's going to play. And then a couple days before it's, it's a last minute WD because of this, this hand wrist injury that he's got going on. So it makes us wonder, like, is it worse than he's letting on? Uh, is it's it more strategic, be. you know, or is he just thinking like, Hey, uh, I'm not risking it at all. Like, you know, cause you know, this guy, he puts a lot of strain on, on his body with the way he hits the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could be just taking the super cautious route and just being like, I'm not doing anything that, that messes up my chances at the masters. But on the same token, I don't know if I can make an argument for that super cautious because I wouldn't think he'd want to miss the players. I could see maybe some of these other events, like sure. He wouldn't, wouldn't love being sitting out Bay Hill, but he'll do it. But, but the players is a big miss. Yeah, a a big miss for him was defending his title at Bay Hill, and even bigger miss is this player. So to answer your question before, I think it's definitely in worse shape than we think. Uh, he's yeah. dealing with something that's got to be bad, and I don't know. I, I don't know when we'll see him next. I know he's got a Texas swing coming up. He lives in Texas. Um, we were talking about how those, those, those are home games for him, a final tune-up. He's going to have to tune up if he wants to play Augusta. It's going to be one of those events. I got to think if I'm putting my money on something, it's going to be see a return at the, at the Valero, Texas open. You know, he, he lives right in Texas. Like I said, it's a Texas, it's a home home game for him basically. And a lot of guys like to use that event, um, as a warm up for the masters the following week. I think either that or 
some guys will skip that event and just go to Augusta a week early and get extra practice rounds in. Um, I think one or the other, but I, I, mean, I, mean, I think this would have to be a very severe injury to keep him out of the Masters, and we're talking about keeping him out another three weeks or so. But don't forget, I, if there's any place that I think burns Bryson, it's Augusta. Because remember, he took the shot at Augusta. Didn't he say he called it like a par 67 or something? And he was he had this strategy where he was going to try to beat it, and it it you know humbled him quickly and beat him bad. So I think he wants that redemption. I think he wants that, that green jacket. I I I think think he's really injured. He he doesn't sit it out. Yeah, no, I think his team is like all focused on the the masters right now. And um, he's feeling the heat. I mean, I don't know if you saw, I I came across it on Instagram today. uh, Travis Fulton. He was on the show not long ago. He's a PGA coach down in Florida. We've worked with him and he posts a swing of Bryson. And he writes, have we seen the last of Bryson DeChambeau on the PGA Tour? I know he has an injury and pledges alliance to competing against the best players, turning down the SGL, but it's just hard to fully believe until I see him back on tour. Bryson responds, really, question mark? Travis Fulton, to be honest, what's your beef with me? Stand up and hit me in the DMs instead of trying to play your audience. So there's been a long list of comments in that post, guys. Go check it out. I mean, he's out there watching uh, what people post about him. So. You know, he he's uh, I'm sure he wants to get back and shut down all these haters. And I think the Masters is where he's going to hope to do it. Yeah. And he he did recently come out and say that he did turn down the offer to play in that Saudi league. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, I don't think this is just his way of just kind of like uh, getting, you know, sidestepping the press for a couple of weeks so that he can go over there. I, I don't think that. I just, yeah. I, I don't know. It's a very interesting one. But then we had another withdrawal this week for a totally different reason. We had Kevin Na uh, withdrew from the field this week because he's expecting his his third child this week. So, I mean, hey, that's there's a happy reason to withdraw. Better than an injury, that's do for you, sure. Let me ask you a question. Do you withdraw when you're expecting or do you play until it happens? You know, it's a great question. I mean, I would <laughs> I all depends depend. on where you live and everything, right? And, and some of these guys, you never know what expecting is. They, they could have like a scheduled, you know, C-section. It could be, yeah, it could be scheduled. He could know it's going to happen, or the, right? Or it's tough right. to get home. But we've seen. Plus, other I think guys, he's a Vegas guy anyway, so I think he's on the other side of the country. So he might be. And and yep. they do granted private jets and everything. These guys can get anywhere pretty darn quick. But, um, mm. you know, I, I remember. I mean, I think it was Jason Day years ago when he was top of his game and and it was a big event and he had his wife could go into labor any minute and he just he just said like i'm playing but i just want everyone to know it's going to be no questions yeah. asked if, if she goes into yeah. labor i'm gone i'm withdrawing mid mid round yeah. i think rom said that at the masters last year i think he said don't bet on me this week because i might have a baby or something like that <laughs> <laughs> everyone in the sports betting world was like thank you john yeah thanks you just saved me a lot of money but not right. too he was also in the middle of a bit of a twitter controversy this week he, he took a shot at the pga tour over tiger winning the, the pip mm-hmm. and he basically said you know it's in paraphrasing you know hey it seems like there's something wrong here when a guy who doesn't play in one pga tour event can win the player incentive program now it was met with the usual very polarizing comments on both sides. A lot of guys are saying, yeah, you know, he's got a point. And then there's a lot of other guys are saying like, you know, who are you to, to speak in any way about tiger? At the end, Whether tiger swings a club or not, tiger changes the game, you know? 
Yeah. And players have given credit to, you know, I appreciate everything at Tiger. I think one player said Tiger is the reason why I've, I don't know, I don't know if it was Bubba or Morikawa or something, but, you know, basically Tiger's the reason why the, we're, we're all making money on tour. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they gave that back, but, you know, even Morikawa came out and he said, woke up today, saw Tiger was actually first, not second. And I'm still 11th and didn't win any money, <laughs> you know? And then Bubba clapped back and was like, well, next year's your year, Colin. So there's been some yeah. Twitter beef back and forth, but I get the frustration. Colin Morikawa is a star on the PGA tour. He's ranked in the top three in the world. He has two majors under his belt, one that he won last year and he didn't win any money in the pip. So it doesn't make any sense to look, but where it does make sense is if at the end of the day, if the competition is not, it's not an on course competition, it's who can drive the most attention to the PGA tour. Tiger is that needle. Tiger will drive. Tiger is the guy who will make the front page headlines of every newspaper who, who people who, who are not following golf will know his every move because he's tiger. You know what I mean? He, he'll, he'll in this case, like with just news of whether or not he's, um, he's playing. Like I I was talking to my father about it and I think one of the rankings was like Google searches and stuff like that. My father's like, yeah, he goes, everyone in the world is going to Google search is tiger playing this week when they hear Mm -hmm. rumblings that tiger might be tiger was out in the range. People are not, you know, as I love the guy and I think he's, he's one of the future you know, big parts of the future of golf, but people aren't Googling whether more cow is in the field this week. Correct. You know? So if that's the metric, then tiger wins, you know, but and I get it. And some people like to be like, hate to see just like another $8 million go to a, a billionaire, um, for not even playing. But again, you know, you can make that other side of the argument. It's like tiger is the reason why some of these, or a big part of the reason why these purses are so big, because he brought so much attention into the game he brought so many sponsors into the game i mean you could yeah. argue he brought some some big companies like so nike players into golf yeah. that weren't previously in golf you know so i i think that that's and 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 yeah there's you're right there's not a player that i can think of of these young guys who don't list tiger as an influence when they were growing up so right. that's a very it's, to me i understand what he's trying to say but it's a very hard argument to make the tiger doesn't deserve it because Tiger, I don't think Tiger's ever been given anything. Tiger deserves everything because of what he's done in his ridiculous career. Hands ridiculous. Down. Yeah. Hands down. Just decades, so, decades. And by the way, I, I want to make a yeah. quick before we, I see we're going to do a fun hypothetical here, but I want to make a, I want to make a pick this week and I'm going to go with Danny Berger as this year's players champ. Okay. And I think he's humming. I think he, yeah. he he's, he's frustrated over what happened. No recently. doubt he's hungry uh, now. He's hungry, and I think this is a Florida track like a PGA uh, National that he blew up on. I think he could play well here, and I'm a big fan of Berger this week on, on the betting side. Okay. I'll tell you what. If we're going with picks, I'm going with uh, JT to repeat. Love it. I hope he does. Um, I, I just think he's got the game for it. I think he's he's been kind of like – uh, dancing around with like a you know top ten finishes and things like that, showing that he's in form enough that he's got the chance to do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just with JT, like when it, it really sometimes seems like or feels like to me like a mental game if it's clicking and if it's not, you see a little frustration. But when he's on, he's one of the hardest guys to beat, and I think he's a uh, you know a horse for the course, so to speak. You know, he's, he's yeah. proven that he can win there before. 
The other one that I say keep an eye on too is Rory. Rory's won there before. I think Rory wants to get another big win as desperately as anyone. And I think he'll go mm-hmm. into it with a lot on his mind of wanting to win. So keep an Talk eye on those guys. Frustrated. Talk about being frustrated with your golf game. There's a guy. He snapped another wedge, right? Snapped uh, another wedge. He had a heckling fan as he walked by. Be like, not today, Rory. Not today. You got to make those putts. And Rory just stared him down. Like people are getting in his head. His game's getting in his head. He needs someone there to be like, Rory, listen, dude, you're one of the, probably the best player in this field. Like, go out there and do you. Because right now, well, well, isn't, you're lost, bro. Isn't that <laughs> what he got with his caddy when he put Harry on the bag, right? Didn't he do mm-hmm. it for that reason because he's his best friend and he kind of calmed him? And ca- no, no doubt. Rory plays this game with a lot of passion, and I have no sure. issue with that. Do it, mm-hmm. man. We've seen him all the time throw his six iron in the lake. You know, I, yep. I get it. Um, sometimes that passion is good. You know, sometimes it works against you, but um, no doubt he's passionate. Yeah. But I think I thought that you know that was largely why he put him on the bag was just to keep him kind of mentally in the game. It it must I be so hard. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think Harry does keep this dude calm. I mean, Rory's been a lot calm, but a lot more calm. But I think when you are a guy like Rory McIlroy, you go and you play in these events. I think the only result for you is a win. Everything else for these guys is just a failure. Whereas you got mm-hmm. guys. Who are like Gooch, who's like top 10 finish, cha-ching. Yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah. FedEx points. We're moving up a little bit. We're making strides. For the other guys, it's like W's now. W's on. Well, yeah. When you get a guy like Rory, you're getting guys who are trying to put together that or or pour onto that Hall of Fame career. And, they want and Hall how, of Fame staff. Exactly. And look how frustrated he got for a T13 finish. I mean, come yeah. on. It, it shows mm-hmm. you that all the guy wants to do is win. So yeah. Well, either way, I think we're gonna see a great shootout. We got Pete time masterpiece in TPC. Uh, love that seventeenth hole, man. Love seventeen. I love eighteen. I, I mean, it, wow. seventeen. Amazing. You come out of like the the hangover of playing seventeen, and then you've got that that eighteen, which is just a test, and it's a lot of different things that can happen. If you're if we're close coming down the stretch with the final final group, a lot can happen on eighteen. I think it could be really interesting. Um, so good There's stuff. Nothing but, easy about seventeen at all, and everyone says nothing. it's a chip shot. For two guys who have never played it, and I've only played it on video games, I, from just watching it, I can tell with wind, it's an island, the mental game, the stadium, what's on the line in that moment. Yeah, That's why so many things go wrong there. And some guys try to get cute with a front pin location. They take a little less club. They try to finesse it onto these greens. They come up short. You and I know we go out and we try to go middle of the green no matter where that thing is, and we st- we're oh. still shanking it sometimes. So and and there, there it's a it's a small you know a characteristically Pete Dye small green too mm-hmm. with no room for error. You're in the water, so that's why interesting fact. Um, Seventeen it, it yielded the most birdies, but also the most double bogeys of all the par threes there at TPC Sawgrass. So it's feast or famine because it's basically like you get on the green, you know. You could give yourself a shot at, at birdie. You got a birdie putt, but if not, there's no room for error. You're in the drink, and you're in the drink. You're hitting from the drop area, so it could go to a double bogey very quickly. Right. It so that's can. We've seen it. We've so seen we got a quick hypothetical. We have. Yeah. We have. So I got a quick hypothetical. You and I have. We've played it in simulators. We've never taken the shot in real life. One day, 100, we will. But I'll, we'll give this to us, and we'll leave this for you guys in the comments as well. So let's say you get one shot. This is going to be from the PGA tour tees, which play 137 yards. Those tees are also a little bit to the right, which gives like absolutely no margin for error. Cause you're going straight on on that Island. So you get one shot 
$10,000. If you make it on the green, I don't care where it is on the green. If you were on the green, it's $10,000. If you miss, if you miss that green, which means you're in the water, it's, you got to quit golf for a year. It means hang it up. Don't swing the club for 12 mm. months. Anything that you had planned, your guys, your trip, your buddy's trip, that, 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 uh, bucket list course you were going to play this year. They all get canceled. No golf for a year or for, for a shot at $10,000. You taking that shot. Oh man. All right. So let's remove the fact that you and I both co-own this golf media company and we <laughs> couldn't give up golf for a year. Um, so let's say we were outside of that. Um, I take the shot. I take the shot. It's a nice, comfortable pitching wedge for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and I think it's, I just keep the head down and treat it as a, a nice driving range shot. Is what I like to call it the shot from the driving range and try to get up on that green and go for it. And to say, Hey, I miss, I'll, I'll be back. You know, where are we in March? I'll be back next March. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. I'm in the same boat. If it wasn't our job, you know what right. I mean? Uh, and this is a little bit more at stake cause this is what we do. But, uh, if, if it wasn't our job, I'd have to take it because I could never live with the regret of saying I didn't give it a shot. You know, yeah. I, I, do, I think, you, well, go ahead. Sorry. And then I think we could, we could put it on that green. I, I think, I think, I think so. if anything, it's the extreme pressure that would be working against you. But if you were, don't forget when I say these PGA tour guys are missing a lot of times, you're right. They're aiming for those crazy pin locations. If we said we're going to go out there and I just want to hit it, I'm going to hit the fattest middlest part of that green. Uh, other than the the pressure, just try to just like you said, just try to make take all of that away and pretend it's a shot on the range, just a one thirty five shot on the range. Yeah, I think we could get it on that green. What about ten million? Got to give up golf for life. Ooh. I think that that I might pass on. I'd pass because I I can't. Well, what would I do with the ten million? I, I all I'd want to do with the ten million is go play golf every day. Go play golf, right? Exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, yeah. Well, good stuff. All right, I love it. Yeah, good stuff. But you. You guys know in the comments whether you would take that shot or not. $10,000 or you got to give up the golf for a year. Let's do a quick word from our sponsors. Then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about that Justin Thomas deal, the apparel deal, and some other great stories from around the tour. All right, guys, this episode is sponsored by Titleist. We all have different ability levels and goals, but one thing we share is a desire to bring our best every time we tee it up. And it all starts with choosing a golf ball that you can trust. Well, the Pro V1 is the best combination of speed, spin, and feel in the game. And the Pro V1 X gives you a higher flight and a firmer feel, but both deliver that long distance, that consistent flight, soft feel, and all important drop and stop greenside control. Mike, we're just talking about the 17th hole at TPC Sawgrass. That's when you want to make sure you've got a ball that's going to hit that green and stop and -hmm. not just keep going. So whether you're Justin Thomas, who's last year's players champion, or Jordan Speed, Nelly Corda, any of the players who are competing at that highest of the level of the game, or you're simply striving to be the best you can be tee up that pro V one pro V one X and always bring your best. I'll tell you what, that soft feel that pro V one, that's been my, my go-to ball. Uh, and it's just, it gives that confidence around those greens and those short shots where it really, it really counts. So give yeah. it a try. And hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as we do. And I know you're a pro V one guy. And if you went back to that hypothetical, I'm sure if someone handed you like a noodle or, or a driving range ball, you wouldn't take that bet. Shows you how much you know, confidence in that ball. I wouldn't stand over any other ball. Hey, listen, it's hard enough <laughs> to execute the shot. You want to make sure if you do that, the ball keeps up with that. The last exactly. thing you want is put a great shot and it hits that green and it just keeps <laughs> rolling right off. Yeah. The back. So exactly. Gotta have a ball That's- that you can rely on. 
Right, for sure. And you got to rely on footwear too, because it is a big part of your game. And a big thanks to FootJoy. They, they're bringing heat to our game this year with the new FootJoy Fuel. The shoe looks amazing. It feels amazing. It's super light. It's packed with uh, golf-specific innovation for men, women, and juniors. And it features their latest and lightest midsole called the Stratolite. It delivers incredible comfort while providing terrific traction and support throughout the swing. It has amazing covers. There it is. Frank's showing it. Show the so, show the bottom. Show those this, vibrant this colors is, right there, right? This was yeah. my absolute go-to uh, in when we were in Tampa. I yeah, ended up I, wearing it more than I had planned. Even I even mentioned in a video that you slept in them, and yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> I, I mean, they left. feel good. They 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 appeal to all players of all levels. I mean, whatever your swing type is, whatever outfit you're wearing, if it's nine holes, thirty-six holes, it doesn't matter. You want a shoe that's going to be a great performing shoe, but at the same time, it's not going to weigh you down, and it's going to feel like you're walking on pillows because again, we do walk a lot when we're out there. This is the shoe you guys need to go check out. Go check out the fuel from FootJoy. Go to FootJoy.com. All right, so let's take a moment to quickly talk about the big news this week with Justin Thomas. I mean, also, the timing of the announcement, I'm sure, was was planned out. Uh, he signed with, with Grayson uh, as being his apparel sponsor, uh, heading into the players this week, who he is the reigning players champ. Uh, it's, it's, it's smart, obviously, smart move, business move for Grayson because – all eyes are going to be on him as the defending champ. Uh, the, the defending champ always gets extra coverage and things like that. So that's big. But it's interesting, and it, it adds to that question of – because we're seeing this right now with Phil Mickelson in the middle of, of a lot of hot water with some of the stuff that he said. Um, mm -hmm. So just to kind of recap, Justin Thomas – uh, it was about a year ago that he he lost his sponsor, uh, Polo, uh, Ralph Lauren. They parted ways uh, after Justin said a, a homophobic slur out there. Now, uh, understanding for context, it wasn't that it was directed at someone in, in any type of hateful way or anything like that. He called himself, you know, the F word, uh, and it was caught by uh, by the microphones that are out there. That does mm -hmm. not in any way excuse it. And I think the first thing that Justin did was come forward and say it was totally unacceptable. It was totally unprofessional. I shouldn't have said it. He was very apologetic. He understood Polo parting ways. And a lot of times these businesses, and we see it even with Phil right now, they just, and, and I think the players understand it, that the, they just can't expose themselves to that type of um potential for boycotting and things like that because they're 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 businesses and there's a money involved and there's also they are taking you know a stand and, and rightfully so with what they believe so i think what happened was you know you you, you end up justin loses that sponsorship it was very lucrative for him obviously uh so he he paid for it in that way he showed his remorse in a lot of ways and you can debate whether or not you thought he was remorseful enough he did make some um, donations and some charitable donations um, to, I believe, some like LGBTQ like type of, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Organizations. Uh, funds or, or yeah, funds. organizations. I, I don't know exactly which one, so I don't want to don't want to misspeak there. But I know he made some sort of donations. Uh, so he was he was showing that remorse. And and also he didn't jump right into another sponsor. Because right. I think he probably understood that that would be a bad look. And I think sponsors probably understood that that would be a bad look. Because if another if another clothing sponsor hopped right in and said, we'll take you, it might be kind of saying that we condone this or we we don't care. So I think it was done in the right way in that regard where there was some breathing room. We saw over the past year he was trying out some different clothes. Grayson, Peter Millar was in the mix. 
mm-hmm. but he finally, you know, they pulled the trigger. They made the announcement. So it begs the question, Mike, what do you, what are your thoughts here? Do these guys, do they deserve a, a chance at, at retribution when something like this happens? Or is it one of those things that it just, it follows them for life? Well, I, I want to say yes, but it also depends if they specifically put themselves in that hot water and deserve it. You know what I mean? Like, I understand in this case with JT, it was a frustrating moment. He came out, he did the apology tour with all that. And then I don't know if you guys know this, but JT is my absolute favorite player on tour. It was a love at first sight meeting in 2016 at, at Plainfield at the Barclays when he first like emerged on the scene. And, you know, I, I've loved him ever since. And uh, a lot of his current sponsors who stayed with him, um, believe the same thing that he was sorry for what he did, uh, and they and they stayed behind him. But again, I think that if you purposely did it, and I mean, Nike stuck by Tiger during his divorce during that situation, yeah. right? Um, Phil Law put all his sponsors put on pause, but I, I think these guys have the ability to get their sponsors back. Um, if they play nice and they show the world that hey, I am sorry, Phil did put out that apology letter, whether you bought it or not. But I think they do deserve a second chance. And I don't think people should be just canceled for stuff like that. If it was a mistake that you were, you know, very sorry for, you know, again, you didn't do it to maliciously hurt anyone on purpose. You didn't intend to do it. Um, It was an accident on JT's part. The mic caught him. He was, he he was so embarrassed, so apologetic. And, you know, he, he took the year. I know he lost his grandfather time. He was going through some tough times. Um, and he took the year off. And like you said, I think the best thing he could have did was not jump into an apparel sponsorship and show the world, like, I don't need this. I'm just going to play golf. And then a year later he came back and did this. So I think right. good work on JT's part. And I think it, yeah, it, you brought up another good point. It, it's a very kind of personal decision. And I think it's something that is very much a sliding scale. It's not a very, always a very obvious. And I think that sliding scale is based upon how, you know, egregious, the, whatever it is that the person does, you know, the actual thing that they do, you know? So you had, it's a good example. You're saying you had a lot of his sponsors who stood by him. It's not like with Phil who, um, it c- came out and, and they all kind of either paused or parted ways. All of, all of, um, JT's other sponsors, although in, in their own ways, they all came out and condoned, not condoned or condemned it. <laughs> not condone the opposite right. of condone the opposite, so, you right. know they all came out and they said like you know we don't do that agree with that but they also they saw it for what it was which was a mistake that was made and the re- immediate remorse from it you know um i think there's also more to judge than that i don't think it's so much judging someone's mistakes as it is judging their overall character and I think Justin Thomas is a person who is a class act in so many ways in that he's got that, you know, a character. There's there's very few character flaws in that way. And I think that the best move for these brands and these partners of these players to look at is to look at and understand the microscope and the extreme pressure these guys are under and look at it as a, bro- a broader, wider lens of like, what is the overall character of this individual? And mm-hmm. JT is somebody who's of great character. He's shown it in so many ways. So I think that the, where people get heated about the ch- kind of the um, hair trigger of cancellation we have right now, it's because of the fact that it's like, it's sometimes you can be so good in so many ways and, and do one thing wrong and even show that remorse for it. I think the other side of that spectrum would be someone who is a repeat offender 
somebody who, especially when they make a comment that, you know, is broadly generally accepted as unacceptable Mm -hmm. and they double down on it, start making excuses for it. Um, start to say, you know, like I said, double down, make it worse, whatever it may be. That's where I think that you get your issues. But when you have somebody who comes down and be like, yep, 100%, that was unacceptable. That was a mistake. I am sorry. That's where I think there's room for these other brands and stuff like that to stand behind someone and stay with them and just be like, Hey, we, you don't have to like every single thing. Every, you know, a person does, you can say, we, we, you know, we, we, we like JT's character. We're upset with this mistake he made. We've had our conversations. He's made XYZ donations. He's had XYZ fine from the PGA tour. Those are the repercussions. That's where we're going to stop. So, yeah, but I don't think in any way it's a bad look on JT or Grayson because I think at some point people have to be able to move on again. It's not like a situation where he murdered somebody and Mm -hmm. we're like, ah, it's been a year. Let's move on. No, you know, we're talking about a slip up of something that he said, not directed at anyone or, you know, it just, you know, caught on, on, on camera when he didn't expect and it happens and he learned his lesson. He learned a valuable life life lesson from it, which is to be a little bit less of a hothead and, and, and maybe change your vocabulary a little bit because certain things are not acceptable. Right. Right. I think he definitely learned his lesson. Would have been nice to see him get all donned out in foot joy, but uh, kudos to him for signing with Grayson. Us (laughs) big foot joy fans. I think we would have liked to have seen that as well. But but yeah, look, I think think it's a good fit for the two of them. I think stylistically, I think it's a good fit. And uh, I'm just happy to see him back kind of, you know, back on the horse, so to speak, and, and moving past that incident. And I think it'll be an incident that he'll, he'll never fully shake and that he always learned something from it. And yeah, if it makes him a better person, then great. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, speaking of, uh, of other good stories though, like switching gears, of good stories, this story from, this from Ryan Bram this past week was incredible. So First of all, what event was this? This is like so a, this was uh, the Puerto Rico Open. So this was the yeah, other like event on the alternate that so cup points at stake. Right. And yeah. I actually was putting on the TV, uh, the Golf Channel, to watch our friend Rob LeBritz's final round on the Champions Tour, which we're going to talk about in a sec. But because this event got delayed a little bit, the 18th hole still didn't finish, and it was 4:30. So I was kind of forced to watch this final hole. And yeah. I was going to turn it off because I didn't know who Ryan Brem was. I said, let me just switch back to the Arnie because those guys are on channel too. But then right when I went in, I noticed this guy, like right as I turn on TV, they're like, this is life changing for him. I'll let you tell all that the backstory, Frank. Yeah. But then I just, I stuck to it and I'm glad I watched it because it was an epic ending. And I, epic. I, I'm surprised how, how many of these life changing stories we see. And I think it's because you don't realize we start, we see the top 25 guys and they're winning. And we talked about like Rory before. Yeah. He's happy with the top 10, but he just wants to win. It's like a different mm-hmm. scale. There's right. a lot of guys out there who are playing with their back against the wall. You know, they right. are, they, a lot of these guys are, are, are playing on borrowed money and borrowed time because they're not making a whole lot in some of these lower tours and they're, they're, they're running out of time. They're getting older. They're trying, I mean, We'll talk about in a second, but Rob, look at Rob LeBritz. You know, he won and he won his way after 30 years, you know, as a, as a club pro finally won his dream on tour. There's a lot of guys like that out there. So Brem, he, you know, he got his spot in the field that week 
after he cashed in a, a, a minor medical extension, which was from uh, he had COVID and he missed last year's Zurich, mm-hmm. um, where he was he was going to uh, team up with Joel Damon. So he had that exemption. He he uses it here, and basically it was basically win or go home. Which basically yep. go home means you go back to the corn ferry tour, right? The only other option he had is if he came in a solo second, he could have still kept his tour card because um, he'd be playing in that 126th, 150th in the FedEx Cup points because you know because he would got enough he would have got enough FedEx Cup points yeah to whatever but it would have been a solo second right yep. so even that but he basically had a win and here he comes in and he outright wins the thing. Back against the wall. Six strokes or something. (laughs) Incredible. So a lot of people were saying, like, what does it feel like to play on like under that pressure? Imagine going into an event. Event's hard enough as it is, but knowing you have to win. You have to win. And they're like, that's gotta be a lot of pressure. But he actually said he felt the other way. He said he Mm -hmm. felt like it was an opportunity to swing for the fences. Yeah, with nothing to lose. Because yeah, when 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 it's win or go home, you Play, I, I, I mean, yeah. What do you have to lose? Just go at it. I guess at that right. point, he, he, he said he's already set his schedule to like go back to the Corn Ferry Tour. Like they've set their schedule, but now he has to readjust it because he's heading to the players this week. So, you know, it's amazing how in his mind he was saying, "Hey, we'll go out to Puerto Rico. We'll try to do what we can do, and then after that, we'll just plan on Corn Ferry and, you know, just keep grinding." Can you? And imagine his wife too? on the bag. Think about that too. It's what a story. It's incredible. And you think that the amount of money that they win on the corn ferry tour is, is not that significant. You know, it's, it's getting better and better, but it's not any type of you're set now, you know, and you can just focus on golf. You know, it's money that you have, you have to keep winning and it's a tough career to grind out versus what we talked about earlier. Now the players with the purse, the $20 million purse. And here's a guy who could, when you know get his way into the top 25 top 10 and change his life financially big time i mean that would be a incredible two weeks if we see him anywhere near that that top of that leaderboard we'll, we'll see if he stays hot i know he's going to be a big story coming in you guys will probably see it air they're going to talk about him a lot because he's fresh off his win um yeah. but a truly remarkable story it was a bummer to see him par the 18th hole par five like he had a bad I think approach shot that came up short of the green. Uh, but he ended up making par and walking out of there and just, he just showed really no emotion. I don't know if he was just like shocked. He said he didn't have words in the poster, but like, like for a guy who just like his whole life changed again, maybe it didn't sink in yet. Like you would have never known. Yeah. Well, yeah, he should take whatever worked last week and just do it again. Like if you, if there was the mindset was to swing for the fences, then guess what? Swing for the fences, swing for the fences man. He's got nothing else to lose now. Nothing to lose. Right. Nothing. Uh, but other, speaking of other like kind of uh, up and coming names, you you had an update about Wu, right? Yeah, yeah, Brandon Wu. We had him on the podcast, local guy, Scarsdale, New York. Uh, great conversation we had with him, and we always knew this kid was going to be something great. Uh, he he secured his card, uh, I think last year, and uh, he finished in like the, tied for third. He got a bunch of FedEx points, and I don't know. He's a name we could see moving up on the uh, leaderboards, and we could see some good things happen for him. I love seeing guys graduate like the Zelatoruses from the Corn Ferry and start to really make a name for themselves, um, yeah. show that they're trending in the right direction. And Brandon Wu was one of those guys, and maybe Ryan Bram will be be as well. Yeah, and and speaking of which, like I said, we mentioned LeBritz earlier. He's playing obviously <laughs> on the PGA Tour I champions, so- but. 
yeah. won his way in. And over the last three yeah. weeks, he's starting to, he's in the mix. He's making some waves, uh, $46,000 in earnings over three weeks, 33rd, 27th, and 21st How about that though? Place. Think about it. You're, you're yeah. a club pro. And now you're three weeks in. I made forty six grand, which you know it's about what is that eighteen thousand dollars a week? Not too shabby, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing with legends, you know, yeah. and uh, he did thirty third place, twenty seventh, and then twenty first. So I messaged him last night, and I was like, um, you know, hey Rob, you know, I know it's not the back nine you wanted on Sunday because he fell apart a little <laughs> bit, uh, but uh, it's nice to see you inching up and getting better and better. And he said it himself in an interview that. Uh, he thinks he's going to win one of these things. He said it's just a matter of time, and I love to see uh, that confidence. You know, I one hundred percent believe he's going to win one because so. he's proving over and over he's not a fluke. You know, here's not here's not a guy who finally punches his card and then he misses all the cuts. He, right. He's he's in contention. He was T ten at one point in round for in right. the third round. Final round, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I think he's got the game. I think he's got the mindset. And I think physically, we've talked a lot about it on the podcast, how what he's doing to keep himself in shape. He, I think he's one of the fittest guys out there on the on the He champions. is. You know what the problem is, though? And I don't want to put any discount on the guys who were coming out of Q school. But the guys on the senior champions tour, champions tour, they're good. And those guys like Goosen, Miguel, Couples, they're real good. And they're better than Rob. And, well, and Rob and was forget, the best one in Q school. So yeah, they've got also that career experience. Now Rob exactly. has played in some very big events. He's played in seven PGA yep. Yep. Uh, champions, you know, yeah. eight. So, but he's got that, but, but when you've lived a lifetime on tour, grinding it week in and week out, there's something to be said for that experience, but there's also something to be said with, for some fresh eyes like Rob has and hunger, you know, these other guys, yeah. they're, they're born competitors, but you have to wonder how hungry are they really to win? They've mm-hmm. they've got the careers in the belt. They're they're, they're set for life, money wise. They've main names for themselves. A lot of the guys are already in the Hall of Fame. They've done all that. They're out there having fun with their buddies, taking a bit of a victory lap. And there's the competitiveness of them that they want to win. But there's a yeah. hunger to guys like there's Rob hunger, who are just you know they've, they've waited their whole life to play there. Now they're there. They're they're coming. Yeah, I can't wait for him to get that win or 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 at least a Sunday where he's in the mix and he has TV time because because he blew up on the back nine, he lost all his TV time. So me sitting wait patiently watching, I was even told, you know, my wife, I'm like 4:30, I'm putting on, you know, golf channel cuz I got to watch my buddy Rob. Yeah. Um and they didn't show one shot of his, unfortunately. Right. Um but hey, I think he's going to get there and I can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. Same. So let's do this. Let's do a quick status on our own games. Talk a little bit about that. Then we'll wrap it up with a little, our bank it or shank it segment. Um, Cause you know, one thing that we haven't talked about is how, how we're playing and uh, we had a chance to play. We were just down at Innisbrook. We're going to be having those videos come out really soon. Um, you're going to see some struggle, no doubt about it. Uh, first and foremost, some of the most difficult courses we've ever played. Uh, that island course at Innisbrook lives up to its name when you see people talking about it being even harder than Copperhead and the Snake Pit and all yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think that one thing that we lament here on the podcast every year is the difficulty that we face of the rust that inevitably piles on in the winter. And I know what you guys are saying. Like We've been very fortunate in the last two years since we built the simulator in the office. We're finding new creative ways to, to play and practice more. But where we saw it, and I think you agree with me, Mike, is uh, 
the feel, the short game feel. Oh, felt a little nice. bit more in shape from a full swing standpoint because of what we've been doing with you know the simulator and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, short game feel like when you when you kind of get off the golf course for that three month stretch from December through you know end of February when you you get that it, it does take a little bit to get back into the groove. You agree? It takes, yeah, a, lot, a little bit more than that, a little bit, I think. And, you know, looking back, watching the, the draft of that Island Course video last night, I just, you know, despite us getting blown up, we were having a blast out there, which was great. Yeah. I love that that we continue to have fun doing this. And, uh, you know, I, I think feel is so important and you got to know your turf, man. A lot of us golfers, when we travel, we don't know the turf. I mean, I, I going back, I, I wish I would have swallowed my pride and used more 50 degree wedges where I was using 60, not even 56, like even two clubs and just how many yeah. times I chunked it in that turf and came up too short and some of the stupid bunker shots that I, I wish I could do over and over again from bunker to bunker to bunker to bunker. It was just, it was a little bit of a nightmare, but the gig, you're right. The game isn't there. We're usually in, I always joke. I say I get into peak golf form in like September, right? When the season's about to end. <laughs> yeah, of course. Cause that's when you got the most, that is golf when I play on- my best golf. If I look at my that's stats, like September, it's the best. Yeah. Cause you've got the most golf on your belt, but yeah, I mean, we right. even saw it like a Bay Hill this week, guys talking about it at the highest level, they were, you know, struggling with some of the changes of how they overseeded the fairways and the way they did yep. that. And some of the grass changes, whatever. So I don't want to, it's like a fine line between being real and making excuses. Like the reality is it did make it harder. It's a little bit of courses and, and, uh, terrain that we're less used to where we play 90% of our golf here in the Northeast. So there was that, but there's no doubt about it. Um, that there was some struggle, but my, I think my biggest focus is, is going to be two things. And I've put this into action already. One is staying more consistent with swinging and playing, especially with some of the swing changes that are being made. So we had that lesson recently with uh, Ryan Hager, and I work. I was working on my swing sequencing, which is probably the number one thing holding me back from some consistency, just being a little bit out of sequence and sometimes just kind of slipping into old habits. But but Ryan said something that gave me a lot of perspective. He's like, okay, if you work on this a little bit every day starting now, and that was in uh, early February, he's like, you won't have it yet by, by uh, April, maybe May, but by June, you should see some significant changes. So that should mm. give you some perspective of how hard it is really to make changes in the golf swing. You know, he's talking about giving it five months of everyday work. Right. So there's that, but there's, there's also like trying to get things a little bit more simple. I've been really doing a deep dive on YouTube and everywhere else, trying to look at like short game stuff that I can simplify because I'm, I'm trying to come up with like a chipping strategy. That's a little bit simpler because I find that I, I vary some things and I'll end up with like a duffed chip and there's nothing worse than like those extra strokes around the green. So what I've been doing is in my, uh, my little area that I have in the basement, which is only the ceiling is only high enough that I can swing a wedge. That's all I can get away with. But I set up a net now and I've got foam balls that I take full swings with. And I'm doing that. I'm just, I've made a commitment to do every single day. So every day I do five to 10 minutes of just ball striking with the sequencing that, that Ryan showed me and Mm -hmm. all I'm working on is sequence and rhythm and tempo. Because what I do is, is this thing gets in my head, especially when it's a little bit of a stretch. So like, let's say it's a 137 shot and I've, my nine irons, 135. And I'm worried about getting it there like a par three. And I got to get any type where I feel like I need to give it a little more. I get quick at the top and I start out of sequence with my hands, like come yanking yep. down and it creates. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get in this, this mindset where the, 
where the smoother, slower rhythm with a smoother transition is feels more normal. And it takes a while to do that. So I don't slip back to the old habits. So there's that. But then I also have you know, real golf balls, not the foam ones that I'm working on just chipping into the net. So I chip for five minutes into the net and I'm just trying different types of chips, you know, just like, you know, anything I can to simplify it. I'm staying the club up straighter. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of picking that the toe up a little, you know, the heel up a little bit. So it's a little more toe down. I'm just trying to chip and I'm just trying to vary my trajectory. Just chip a couple high, chip a couple low, just get used to it because at the end of the day, we learn this from watching the guys, you know, the best golfers, that their work ethic is better than anything else. They're just, they mm-hmm. hit so many golf balls in their life. You know, they, they talk about like, we talk about tiger, right? And I've heard like Butch Harmon talking about this. And he said, you know, he truly believes that there's no human being alive today. Who's hit more golf balls than tiger woods, you know, because yeah. he think about how much <laughs> he did when he was younger, right? Think it's crazy. Mm-hmm. He's the best, but he's also hit the most. So there's definitely a correlation there, right? The, the, the grind mm-hmm. does work, but it takes a lot. So whereas before my practice would be, you know, you get busy during the week, kids work, whatever, maybe once a week, I practice for a half hour. I'm trying to instead do every day practice for five to 15 minutes, depending on how much I have. So le- yeah, more practice sessions, less time. Yeah, but that's great because that's that's more than most people are doing, you know, yeah. and it's not even that much. So it's great. It keeps you consistent. It keeps the feel there. And uh, yeah, let's see how that transitions out into the course in a few yeah, weeks well, now. We'll, Jeez, we're a almost few there. Weeks. That's the thing. We're going to be back out there. I'm sure playing very soon, but it was good to get to Florida and, and play a little bit. So stay tuned for that. But we want to give you guys a little bit of a state of the game. And now let's, uh, before we let you go, let's, let's do our quick bank it or shank it segment. And yeah. uh, we'll start off with, a, you'll know my answer if you were listening closely to the show earlier. So I'll, I'll start this on off with, with Mike. Uh, will we see a, a repeat players champ this week? Bank it or shank yeah. it? I'm going to shank it and I'm going to stick with D boogie winning his first players championship, Danny Berger. So I'm going to say shank it. A heck of a pick if you come through with that one, because I don't think I don't. I mean, I see all the reasons why he could win. I don't think he's a a big favorite in any way. Yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe I'll throw I'm gonna go with dollars at him. <laughs> do it, man. Do it. Yeah, throw a couple right. bucks on him. Put your money mm-hmm. where your mouth is. I like that. Exactly. I'm gonna go with a banquet because, and and because that thing it says we just had a, play, a a repeat champ. There's a couple other guys in the field who were you know previous champions who could win, but uh, I think I think that um. JT comes out and uh I think he he does it this week. I think he does it and he repeats and it'd be incredible to see. Incredible repeat. Yeah, it would be wild. It would be wild to see yeah. a repeat at the players. Yeah. Uh what all we right, got thank next? It or shank it. Yeah. Go, go ahead. You go ahead. Throw it at um, me. All right. Um I'm gonna throw this one at you then. Let's do Ricky wins this year. Hmm. I got I I sadly have to shank it. Uh, okay. I'm just not seeing enough. The, the field, as we talked about, are so strong, and I'm just not seeing enough from Ricky to see that that he gets another win this year. I don't know if he's ready for it, but I. But with that, with that said, I do think that we'll see an overall better year out of Ricky this year than we saw last year. I think he moves his way back up a little bit. Uh, I think a couple top tens are in the mix, but I don't know if a win is 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 there yet. Yeah, I'm gonna shank it. I'm the same reasons as you, and I think the golf world would be so happy if he gets it and gets his stuff back together. Because again, he is a he's a fan favorite, and a lot of people love him and they're rooting for him. So I don't think he gets a win, but I think things might start clicking for him. 
All right. So we're on the same page there. And then this next one, uh, by the way, guys, you know, leave us your own uh, bank it or shank it opinions in the comments because we'd love to hear what you guys think on these two. But this one had me thinking because we're down there playing at Innisbrook and I noticed a lot of times we just kind of were leaving the pin in, you know, so we Mm -hmm. had a couple of things lately, you know, as golfers, you had COVID where we weren't allowed to touch the pins. And prior to that, you had the new ruling where it was no longer a stroke penalty if you hit the pin, you know, so people, you have the option to leave it in, you know, that took me a while to get used to because force a habit playing golf since I was a kid, you always took the pin out, you know, but um, now between COVID and that bank it or shank it, are are we just leaving the pin in now? Are we pulling it? For me, I think it has nothing to do with a strategic play of leaving it in or COVID. It's just sheer laziness. I think at this point, because honestly, and I don't mean to make this as a joke, but and you and I are running and gunning with cameras and, you know, it's just whatever bit we could save time. And, you know, for me, I think I still want to make a good score out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just throwing in the towel on my golf game. I, it doesn't bother me to the point and I'll leave it in, you know, I, yeah. I, you roll a ball into the hole. In my opinion, it's going to go in, you know, I mean, I that's my take at least. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to back very similar. I mean, how many times do we say, uh, yeah, just leave it in. You know what yeah. I mean? You get lazy, but, but I think where, where I have been pulling it is oftentimes on two things either like a shorter putt that that's important i could see that yep or when you get sometimes with that leaning pin and it looks like it's kind of like um almost like blocking out one side of the cup you out yeah yeah Yeah. i had i had a reel on my instagram that just blew up with people arguing whether it was in or out where i had i had one hit the pin now this was during covid when i couldn't take it out and it looks like the pin is what stopped it from going in and, mm-hmm. um, it was just the debate of like, would this have been in if I pulled it, you know, in that case I couldn't, yeah. but, but I, I right. I'm kind of banking it of leaving the pin in unless there's certain circumstances. I feel like it's speed, the, the point of largely the point of that cha- rule changing was to speed up play. And I think it does speed it up a little bit, not having to pull it so. out. And you and I were out Everybody there. Knows. We're not, we're not playing for that $20 million purse. So yeah, we're know. not. And, and, and I'll tell you, Leave if I'm in. standing over a five footer for my club championship for the club. I don't even belong to. I'm taking it out. Yeah. yeah. So when, so when it really matters, situation. sometimes it comes yeah. out. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, another one, last one we have for you here, bank it or shank it. Will we, we talked about this before, but let's put our money where our mouth is. Will we see Bryson? Um, will we see Bryson yeah. at the masters? Let's just say like at the masters, will we see Bryson play this year in Augusta at Augusta? I believe so. I believe so. I think, uh, I think like we said before, I think he gets one tune up in, in Texas and he plays Augusta. I don't think anything else is on his mind right now, but Augusta. And I think the answer is yes. I'm banking it. I agree. Bank it. I think you've got what three weeks. Um, I, I, I could go up in the air one way or the other, whether he plays in, in, you know, Texas beforehand. Um, you also got that match play, the match play, which is coming up. That can be grueling. Cause that's played over five days. If he's it's winning, long. it keeps right. Yeah. So I can't see him messing with that. If he doesn't do the players, I can't see him in match play. Right. I, I see him skipping this week, skipping the players. That's two more weeks to kind of rest it. And then it's a, maybe it's a 50, 50 on, on return, you know, to play in the Valero. And then after that, I think he's back for the masters as well, but you guys let us know yep. what you think. Put, put them in the comments below. You banking or shanking these love to hear about it. But other than that, guys, happy players week. Thanks for sticking with us on a, a little bit of an alternate venue here, uh, which should be back in studio next week. That's for sure. Again, just got to do the safe thing because we want to be he- healthy and we want to be out there playing golf again really soon. But thanks for watching. Uh, we'll see everybody again next week. 